Let us pray. Holy and awesome God, we give you thanks for this day. And we give you thanks for this opportunity to open up your word and to read from it. For Lord, you have bathed your word in wisdom to guide us, to lead us, to draw us closer to you, and also to direct our vision outward so that we may better understand how it is we are called to live. How it is our faith should transform us. What it means to be Christians in the 21st century. And so Lord, we pray for discerning minds and wise hearts that may listen to the Holy Spirit, that may be led by Your will, that we may know better how to live and be faithful and serve You in all that we do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So today we're talking about worship. You know, last week we, we kind of talked about purpose. And we talked about how many distractions there are in the world. And about how in order for us to live according to our purpose, we have to set aside those distractions and focus on serving God in what we are doing. And so today we're talking about worship at the heart of what we are made for. Our purpose is to worship God. And we're going to read Romans 12, verses 1 through 8. Paul writes, he says, I appeal to you, therefore. And that therefore is a, is a massively important word. Because Romans is written, and what Paul is doing is he's writing to introduce himself to the church in Rome. And, and so he's writing and explaining his theology before he shows up in Rome. And so the first 11 chapters are an unfolding of everything that Paul believes about God. And everything that Paul understands about Jesus Christ. And so it is 11 chapters of God's love reaching out to us in the midst of our sin. And, and what Paul is talking about is Paul saying that God's love reaches out to you before you can even think to turn back to God. Before we can figure it all out, God reaches out to us in love. This is not a love that is earned. This is not a love that we even necessarily deserve. It's a love that God pours out on us while we are still unworthy of it. And in the midst of that, Jesus Christ dies for our sins and is raised from the dead. And so, Paul spends 11 chapters doing that. And then, at the beginning of chapter 12, he puts this little therefore. And basically, Paul is saying, in light of all that God has done, this is then what we are called to do. And so if I was going to do this properly, I would read the first 11 chapters of Romans and then read these first 8 verses of chapter 12. But I suspect that somewhere around chapter 2 or 3 people would start coughing and kind of encouraging me to get to the point. 
But Paul says for us to understand how we're called to live, we first have to understand what God did. Because all of life is a grateful response to what God has done in Jesus Christ. What He has already done. So he says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. So that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of another, one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Prophecy in proportion to faith. Ministry in ministering. The teacher in teaching. The exhorter in exhortation. The giver in generosity. The leader in diligence. The compassionate in cheerfulness. So Paul is encouraging us in light of what God has done. This is how we live in response. And so we're trying to figure out, how do we live in response? It's a total shift from a way of thinking that says, we have to live in such a way to earn God's love. Paul is saying, God already loves you. You don't have to earn it. Free yourself from that burden. In light of that, this is how you live. This is how you build a relationship. Rachel and I got married, it'll be eight, eight years this summer. And so, eight years ago, we had this, this wedding ceremony, and the preacher said, you know, if you want to have the perfect wedding, this is what you do. If you want to have a great marriage, this is what you do. You know, spend an hour a week with each other, and that's it. Right? No preacher would say that, right? That's not how you build a great marriage. That's not how you build a great relationship, by investing one hour a week in a relationship. So why then would we think, if we want to build a great relationship with God, all we need to do is spend an hour a week before God? It's not how we build a marriage. It's not how we build a friendship. It's not the best way to build a relationship with God. It requires a heart and a mind willing to look at everything we do all seven days of the week in an attitude of worship and submission to Jesus Christ. We come today to celebrate baptism. We come to celebrate confirmation. And think about in your mind what it is you want for these young people who are publicly professing their faith. And think about what you want for their life, what you want this faith to do. I would imagine that we would all say we want more than just we really hope you know, they show up in church once a week for the rest of their lives, right? We'd say we want faith to take over their lives. We want them to think about how can I serve God in school and how can I serve God you know, at home and how can I serve God in everything that I do? How can I build my faith 
day after day, so that what is done here is a starting point. What is done here is a launching pad into a life of faith, into a life that seeks God in everything they do. That's what we want for these young people, right? And if that's the challenge we want to put before them, is that a challenge that we're willing to accept ourselves? Is that an idea that we're willing to let challenge us and say, okay, we want these for these kids, do we want this for ourselves? Are we willing to think about a life of faith as one that encompasses our entire lives, everything we do, every moment that we live. We want more than just a one hour a week relationship with God. You know, we've got it into our minds, we, we get that pattern of thinking worship is Sunday morning, and we call this our worship service. But this is intended to be a collecting point, where we collect at the end of a week, and it's intended to be a worship time that also launches us into the coming week. And it's a pattern. Our worship service is a pattern for how we live. If you look at your, your bulletins, we have, we have our opening hymn and our call to worship. We let God's voice call us together and set our attitudes on God. And as soon as we start thinking about God, we can't help but feel unworthy. And so we confess our sins. So God gathers us together and we immediately we confess our sins to God. And then we hear words of forgiveness. And then after that, we sing again in grateful response to the God who offers us forgiveness. And then we read from His Word and we proclaim His Word. We learn more about God. We, we educate, we renew our minds, as Paul says. We learn about God and about how to live. We receive God's Word. And then after that, we can't help but respond, right? And so the Word is read and proclaimed. We respond with music. We respond with prayer. We respond with our offerings of money, of time, of energy. And then we are sent into the world. Our worship service is a pattern that intends to be repeated day after day. Day. God calls you awake in the morning. And what do we do each and every day? We should confess to God. And we should read from His Word every day. Every day we should be praying and every day we should be studying the Bible. We relive this worship pattern every day. God calls us. We read His Word. We learn more about Him and we want to go and live in grateful response. This is intended to be a point where we reset ourselves for the week to come. We are reminded of who God is, of how great He is, and we are reminded of God's call on all of our life. When we talk about worship, it's something we do every day. Every day is pregnant with opportunities to serve God. It's pregnant with opportunities to worship Him in everything that we do if we can just set our minds to offer Him what we are doing. 
It's hard because we get distracted and we get busy and we forget. And we go through a day and two days and we forget to live and worship. And this is why we have worship every week. This is why we need routines and patterns every day because they call us back and they remind us of our purpose. Our purpose is to do everything for the glory of God. Paul uses this language here in chapter 12, verse 1. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, before this, nobody really wanted to be a sacrifice. Right? In the Old Testament, it was really bad to be a sacrifice. You know, when the, the shepherd went out to get a sheep to be the offering, the sheep didn't all run forward in hopes that one of them would be offered. Right? They all ran to the back. You know, and they would push the weakest one forward and say, take him. Because the, 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 the sacrifice was consumed. It was offered and consumed. But here, in chapter 12, verse 1, Paul says we are to be a living sacrifice. God does not consume us. Like the burning bush before Moses, where the fire of God burned in it, but it was not consumed. That's how we're called to live every day. With the fire of the Holy Spirit alive in us, but God will not consume and destroy us. Rather, God enriches us. God wants us to live for Him. But He's not going to consume us. He's going to enrich us. To show us that we were, we were made to live for Him. To call us to our truest purpose. To our truest selves. And that's what worship is. When we live for Him and for His glory in everything that we do. When we view our relationships and our work and our play as opportunities to glorify Him. When we keep our mind aware that God's presence is always with us and we give thanks for Him. The more we learn about God, the more we realize all of life is a gift from Him. And so our worship then is a grateful acknowledgement in all of life. A thank you to God. A living sacrifice where we're always offering ourselves to Him. And God uses us. He doesn't consume us. He uses us. And His light shines in us and His light shines through us. Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, I pray that you give us the wisdom to live as sacrifices to you, to worship you constantly in all that we do, to see all of life as an opportunity to praise your name, to work and to play and to live for the glory of God, to be fully alive. Lord, give us the wisdom and the courage to live in that way, to keep us from idle distraction but to focus us on you and you alone, that we may worship. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.